This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the number one daily fantasy sports app. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 604. Welcome in. It is Wednesday morning. I'm very proud of today's schedule. Today, I am recording this episode here. Then afterward, once this is out, I'll be uploading, I'll be recording the next episode, which will be the fantasy football episode for this week. And then another recording session, the third one today, we'll be recording later with Logan finishing off doing the second half of the fantasy football episode today. A lot of blocks of recording today, a lot of stuff going on. I'm excited. Um, we are breaking. So normally I do five episodes a week, roughly. This will be a sixth special episode. I wanted today to comment on basically every NFL team. Uh, in fact, it will be every NFL team. We're six weeks into the NFL season. And I want to kind of provide a point of reference. Like, how are things going? What are What's different than what we expected? How are my predictions working out? That kind of stuff. Just going through every team. Um, I don't know how long this is going to be. I don't want it to be two hours. I can't imagine it will be. But I also do the math. You talk about every team for just a minute. That's already 32 minutes. There's 32 NFL teams. If we do two minutes, that's an hour. So I don't know how long this is going to be. Hopefully, it's timely and not crazy long. But also, hopefully, I have enough to say that it's more than just like, you know, Aaron Rodgers got hurt. That's it. Um, but regardless, let's jump in. I want to talk about team number one today. The Miami Dolphins are 5-1. and one. And to me, very clearly, the Dolphins are a Super Bowl favorite. They're incredible. They're the best offense in the NFL. Um, I think their new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, is turning out to be a huge addition for them. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Tua. Like, what can you say? The offense is incredible. We know that. Um, one thing that I love about the Dolphins, though, that doesn't get talked about enough to me is in the modern NFL, the running back position is a point of contention. A lot of people don't know how to pay running backs. A lot of people, you know, the Giants pay one running back, Saquon Barkley, $10 million. If he gets hurt, they don't have a running back for a game. Um, Josh Jacobs is the running back in the, Ra in the Raiders organization. They pay him about $10 million for one year. Miami found a really creative, interesting solution to the running back position. Rather than paying one guy a really sizable contract, they've kind of moneyballed it. I don't know what you would call this, but it's a really creative solution to me. They're paying four running backs about $6 million total. Not each, total. So like Raheem Mostert's salary cap hit this year is $2.1 million. Devin Achan, his cap hit is less than a million dollars. He's on a rookie contract. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. is getting about $2.2 million against the salary cap. Savan Ahmed, $1.4 million worth of a salary cap hit. So... They've got four running backs. Two of them are in the top 10 in rushing, Raheem Mostert and Devin Achan, who right now is on the injured reserve. But the Dolphins have found a way to have a really incredibly highly productive rushing attack while also not paying a single running back top-tier money. They spread the money out throughout four players. It's working incredibly well. And as you look around the league, I think everyone should copy their strategy. Do not pay a running back a second contract. I know that's awful to say, but if you can get a running back on a rookie contract like Devin Achan, get a lot out of him, and then let him move on and get paid somewhere else, that's the way to do it. And Miami right now is creating the blueprint how to run the ball really well and not spend a ton of money. I don't know that that's great for the running back position, but it is certainly working well for Miami. And every other team, if I were them, would look at what Miami's doing at the running back position and financially copy what they're doing because for them, it's working great. Um... Let's talk about Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills are 4-2. and two. 
their losses have been only by one score. They beat Miami. So Buffalo is a really good football team, I believe. Um, but I will say, I think the window of opportunity for them to win a Super Bowl with the current group of players they have. They've got some young players. They've got some old players. Josh Allen obviously isn't going anywhere. Although you pay Josh Allen a ton of money. And that means in the future, you're going to be hamstrung a bit with the ability to pay other people. Like Jordan Poyer's 32. Micah Hyatt is 32. Von Miller is 34. How long are they going to keep, especially on defense, the current group they have together? I'm not sure. Um, but I, I do know that right now they've got a Super Bowl window, and I am interested to see if my, the Buffalo Bills can take advantage of that. They're a really good football team. They're on the cusp. They're one of the top five or six teams in the NFL. And all you got to do is make the playoffs. If you, Even if Miami wins the division, the AFC East, if Buffalo can make the playoffs and get hot at the end, that's all that matters. They're going to be in a position to make a Super Bowl run at the end of the year. The question is, can they? And the bigger question is, if the Bills don't win a Super Bowl this year, will they be able to next year, two years from now, three years from now? How long is their Super Bowl window going to stay open with the current group they have? That's the question to me about Buffalo. That was a question going into the year, and it remains the same. But I, I will say, it's very clear to me, Buffalo is one of the best teams in the NFL, and Buffalo on their best day is really really good. All right. Um, I'm going to take a short break. We're, we'll talk about the Jets in a moment. They're three and three, but I got to take, I got to take a short break. Got to pay the bills. Got to pay for food. Got to pay my rent. So I'm going to take a short break. Listen to one of my, uh, I got to tell you about one of our incredible sponsors who I am so grateful for, for paying my bills. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize Picks allows you to make an entry based on player projections and in 60 seconds. You could enter something like George Kittle less than five catches, AJ Brown more than 100 yards receiving, and Jordan Love more than two interceptions. And if your picks are right, you can win money. Making picks makes watching games more engaging, and you could turn something like $5 into $50. Prize Picks offers quick and easy deposits. You can even use Apple Pay and. They have weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. For example, there's a weekly event called Taco Tuesday, where each Tuesday, prize picks, discounts, select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So put your skills to the test in daily fantasy. Go to prizepicks.com slash CLNS and use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com. Slash CLNS, code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy made easy. All right, we are back. Let's talk about the New York Jets. The Jets are three and three. And if you know anything about the Jets this year, you know there's one thing I have to talk about that sums up the early part of their year. Four snaps into the year. Their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, tore his Achilles. So four snaps, five if you count the Achilles. It's a horrible joke that I still find uh, mildly funny. Um, it's pretty wild, though. I think that the Jets have done an incredible job. They're 3-3 three and three without Aaron Rodgers. And I thought they were going to start the year 3-3 three and three even with Aaron. So to me, the fact they ended up still at 3-3, three and three, beating Buffalo, beating Philly, some like really impressive victories to me. Speaks really highly of their head coach, Robert Sala. Robert Sala, their defensive coordinator. I There's not a lot of people with the sentiment that Robert Sala shouldn't be the coach next year in New York, but there is a small contingent of people who are like, I don't know, we got the right coach. 
nonsense to me. Robert Sala is fantastic. I love him. He's well-spoken. He does a great job. His players love him. And it's clearly a defensive-led team. Like, if you're going to be a defensive head coach, the one thing you have to have is a really good defense. They have that. I really like it. If they had a better quarterback, they would be better than 3-3, three and three, I believe. One thing, though, worth noting, you know, week six, the Jets beat Philly. A really surprising, impressive victory. Jalen Hurts, the Eagles quarterback, at three interceptions. Zach Wilson had no turnovers. And that's massive. If Zach Wilson can keep limiting mistakes and having no turnovers, that's a winning formula. They play great defense. They get turnovers from the opposing team. Zach Wilson takes care of the football. I think we got potential for a playoff team in New York. For the Jets to be 3-3 three and three is shocking, actually. And another kind of wrinkle here is that if you've been following Aaron Rodgers' recovery, it's going, like, insanely well. And, and I, I'm not shocked. I mean, given the money they have, given the, the money that Aaron Rodgers has to put into his body and try to get healthy, given some of the stuff you can do um, medically, I, I don't want to say it rhymes with um, dem cells. <laughs> I'm not even clever. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not shocked. He's get, I, I, I am shocked he's getting better this quickly. But my, I guess what I'm saying is that it looks like Aaron could come back like by the end of the year, maybe in time for a playoff run. Not guaranteed, but what I've heard from doctors, what I've seen from people out there are like, it's crazy how fast Aaron Rodgers is healing. And so if the Jets are 3-3 three and three now, they've got a couple impressive victories. Zach Wilson can take care of the football and just keep the raft afloat until Aaron comes back. There's a shot. They still are a Super Bowl contender. I know that's insane, but if they can make a playoff appearance and then Aaron Rodgers can come back and do what he does really well, which is play football at an incredibly high level, there's a shot still. Which I know it's crazy. I know Jets fans, like, they're saying, do not give me hope. I don't want to hear it. I can't take the pain. I understand that. But it does appear, like, if the Jets can make a playoff game and Aaron Rodgers comes back, suddenly the Jets are going from a Super Bowl, a playoff team to a Super Bowl contender like that with one move. And uh, that is, uh, I don't know, it's pretty wild that six games into the year without Aaron Rodgers, the Jets are still in it. They still have a shot to make a playoff game. They still have a, the season isn't lost entirely, which I find um, just surprising as I'll get out. I can't believe that. Now, the New England Patriots are one and five. The Patriots have been horrible. It's been a disaster their year. Um, their offense has been garbage. Um, I am at the point where I want to see Malik Cunningham play quarterback, actually, rather than Mac Jones. Here's why, like, I want to make this very clear. Mac Jones isn't garbage at quarterback. He can do some stuff at an okay level, but he's really just a backup. Like, Mac Jones, to me, is a lot closer to Blaine Gabbert or Gardner Minshew than he is to Tom Brady. And I love Gardner Minshew. Like, don't get me wrong. Mac Jones does some stuff well, but he's mediocre. And when you look at a quarterback like Mac Jones, who can't run, can't extend plays, can't get outside of the pocket, has an average arm... And right now he's been making really bad decisions. What are we doing? Like, what's what's the upside here? What's the special trait worth investing in Mac Jones? I don't see anything. And we're at a point now where at one in five, unless magic happens, we might be seeing the last year Bill Belichick ever coaches in New England. I remember in 2019, December, I went with my dad to go watch Tom Brady play knowing that it was probably going to be the last time he was going to be wearing a Patriots uniform. I watched the Patriots beat 
the uh, Andy Dalton list, Joe Burrow list, Cincinnati Bengals. Andy Dalton was hurt. Joe Burrow wasn't there yet. And I watched this, for me, like a monumental moment to get to watch uh, Tom Brady in a Patriots uniform, live and in person from about the 50-yard line in Cincinnati. That was one of the moments. That's part of why I fell in love with Cincinnati, was seeing that moment, getting to enjoy that city. If you want to watch Bill Belichick in his final year in New England, you better probably go now. If you've never seen Bill Belichick coach in person, I am worried if you don't go see him this year, you're not going to see him ever. And uh, I don't know that you really want to see what they're putting on the field right now. Whether they're one and five, they're horrible. But um, I, I worry and I wonder if this could be the end for Bill Belichick. Could he get fired? Does he just, if they have a horrible year, does he peacefully walk away? Does he fight for his job and say, well, now I want to draft Caleb Williams and try to screw up him? I have no idea. Um, but certainly all the red flags and warning signs that can possibly go off in New England are going off. I'm like, they need a better GM. They need a better quarterback. They need a better coach. I can't believe what's going on. I respect Bill, but this is horrifying. Um, every, every red flag that could possibly be going off and could possibly be set off is going off right now in New England. How about the Ravens? The Baltimore Ravens are four and two. And I think the number one storyline in Baltimore is that despite being four and two, somehow their new offense really has not clicked yet. I've been waiting and waiting. They got a bunch of really good receiving threats. Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham Jr., like three guys who were first round picks at receiver. And yet the production isn't there. Odell Beckham Jr. has been ineffective, disappointing. He's missed two games with an injury. Rashad Bateman, who's been injured throughout his entire, you know, Ravens career, has been hurt as well. They had a game in London the other day where Justin Tucker, their kicker, kicked six field goals. I mean, that really goes to show their offense just isn't reaching its potential yet. Doesn't mean it couldn't eventually, but they had three touchdowns dropped uh, when they lost to Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. Like, it's really getting frustrating and I I don't even know what to make of this, man. I, Lamar is really good. He's doing some good stuff. It's When you're throwing great balls that are not getting caught for touchdowns, it's tough to know what to do. Um, but certainly the number one takeaway for me is that Rashad Bateman has been an offered, often injured disappointment. And Odell Beckham Jr. looks like he should retire. I mean, I, I've been hoping they had a really great opportunity. They threw him a fade in the end zone against Pittsburgh, and he got beat by a rookie corner who picked it off. Like, OBJ cannot win one-on-one matchups anymore. And that's disappointing and frustrating because I I was hoping, I mean, I literally drafted him on my fantasy team. I thought that maybe there was potential there. I got him later in the draft and was like, this guy's going to be a steal. No, not at all. OBJ has been disappointing and ineffective. And I just, uh, I think the story in Baltimore right now is that they're four and two and their offense has a lot of room to get better. They could be even better. They could be six and oh, if their offense had been, clicking and firing in all cylinders. So to me, uh, that's the improvement I want to see from the Ravens moving forward is I want to see their offense start to put up points and win one-on-one matchups and maybe catch the touchdowns that they're thrown. I do not blame the ineffectiveness of the offense on Lamar Jackson, certainly, at all. By the way, how many times can you say ineffective in one little segment? I have no idea. I feel like I said that like 20 times. <laughs> um the Pittsburgh Steelers are three and two, which I fundamentally cannot believe. I, I somehow the Steelers have a winning record, and it, it goes to show. This is why, like, when people ask me to criticize Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin is not the best coach in the NFL, but he's like definitely a solid B plus tier coach. Like he definitely gets the job done. 
Um, the offense has been a disaster. They need a new offensive coordinator. They might need a new quarterback. I mean, I, I look at Kenny Pickett. He's better than Mac Jones because he can run around a little bit and extend plays. He's kind of got a Tony Romo quality where him at his best can extend plays and make stuff happen. But certainly, um, the offense has been horrible. And they're not winning games because of Kenny Pickett. They're second-year first-round quarterback. Quarterback in a second year. They drafted him last year in the first round. Um, they're winning plays because their defense is just getting after. They're winning games because their defense is making plays and getting after it. And uh, TJ Watt right now has eight sacks in five games. He's tied for first in sacks in the NFL. He's a monster. He's destroying opposing quarterbacks, making their days miserable. Uh, TJ Watt would probably be in the lead for sacks if he'd played six games, not five. They had a bye week early in the year. Um, uh, Pittsburgh, man, I, I think they're overachieving at three and two. And if they can get any kind of offensive support going on, like they won a game where their defense basically single-handedly beat Baltimore. Like they forced Lamar Jackson to have two late turnovers. Um, it, it was just, I, I realized Baltimore had opportunities to get touchdown passes, which they didn't, but uh, I, I just can't say enough good things about their defense. And if they can get, I don't know if the problem is the quarterback. It's probably the offensive coordinator. But if they can get any kind of production on the offensive side of the football, the Steelers are like 5-0. and I mean, they are a really quality football team that just cannot get clicking on offense. And, and one of the problems to me is that Najee Harris is a, he's a running back they drafted in the first round who looks like a bad draft pick. He's a physical specimen. Like, he's big. He's got all the measurables, but he's not playing football at a high level. And um, I, I just, I, I think the best example of why you don't draft a running back in the first round is Najee Harris. Najee Harris, um, the guy that the Colts drafted, Trent Richardson. Was that the Colts? That was the Colts, right? Was that the Colts or the Browns? I can't remember. I know he played for both teams, but I can't remember where Trent Richardson started. Saquon Barkley, even as a quarterback, drafted in the first round. I'm like, you know, I think they really needed like an offensive lineman or two or a pass rusher or a receiver. Like, I don't think running backs are as valuable as offensive lines are anymore. And I think I would just draft running backs in the second or third round every year. I, I would never draft a running back in the first round ever again if I was an NFL team. Um, the only one that made sense in the recent history was Bijan Robinson in Atlanta because guess what? They're going to run the ball like a bazillion times to get a ton of value out of him. But even the Jameer Gibbs draft pick, you know, that Detroit made drafting a running back in the first round, not great. It's not working out well. He's not really their, he's not their number one back. Um, he's not necessary for them to win. They're winning without him really doing anything. So I, I look at the Jameer Gibbs draft pick and go, maybe he's a Ferrari that turns into something great. He's just not being used very much yet. But I, I worry that Jameer Gibbs is more like Reggie Bush and kind of a bust and never going to be their number one feature back in Detroit. And I think the Steelers made a similar mistake. I, I don't think Najee Harris has justified being a first-round pick at all throughout his entire NFL career. And, uh, you know, if you could go back in time and draft a lineman or draft another pass rusher or draft a, a receiver, I, I think you would do that in a heartbeat. And uh, I just, it goes to show, like, part of the problem in Pittsburgh is that um, their offense is a mess, and they, I think, wasted a, a first-round pick on Najee Harris. Now, um, the Cleveland Browns are 3-2. and two. And injuries have hit the Browns really, really hard. Nick Chubb, the running back, is out for the year. Their right tackle, Jack Conklin, is out for the year. Their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, has missed two games so far this year. They're one-on-one without Deshaun Watson. Here's a really telling thing about, like a real stat, a real fact about the Browns that's very telling about how great their roster is. They beat the 49ers without their right tackle, 
without their running back, Nick Chubb, and without their quarterback, Deshaun Watson. They beat the San Francisco 49ers. I find that unbelievable. They beat the 49ers with P.J. Walker at quarterback, a guy who threw two interceptions, and yeah, he played okay down the stretch, had a couple field goal drives to you know, score in the fourth quarter, but it really shows how good this roster is. The Browns roster is incredible. If they can get high-level quarterback play out of Deshaun Watson when he comes back from the injury, they're going to be unstoppable. And, and can you imagine, um, I, I will say, Dewan Jones, the guy, who, the right tackle out of Ohio State, the rookie, playing pretty good. He's really stepped up to replace Jack Conklin fairly well. Uh, he's a rookie. There's been going pains, but I've been I've been really impressed with him, actually, given his situation. And even though the Browns have only played five games, some NFL teams have played six. They had a bye week early. The Browns are categorically the number one defense in the NFL. They are more than a game. I know they played one fewer game, but they've got 500 less yards given up than any other defense in the NFL. So it's like, that's more than a game's worth of yards. They are easily and by far the best defense in the NFL. And it really goes to the credit of their defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, the new guy they brought in this year who's been outstanding. And uh, I, I saw a meme the other day, build the statue of Jim Schwartz. And I'm like, you know what? You're not far off. He really is just incredible. And so uh, the Browns roster is the number one roster in the NFL, in my opinion. They're three and two with a lot of players missing. And if, God, God, please, if their quarterback Deshaun Watson can do anything well, I feel like they are a potential Super Bowl team. I know that's crazy, but again, put it into context. They beat the 49ers without their quarterback, without their starting right tackle at the start of the year, without their running back, Nick Chubb. And I just think that taking down a giant like that with – P.J. Walker speaks for itself. I, I can't say enough good things about how the Browns are built. And uh, if they can get high-level quarterback play, they're a terrifying, terrifying football team. The Bengals are 3-2. and two, and uh, Sorry, the Bengals are 3-3. Three and three. three wins, three losses. 3-3 three and three in Cincinnati. It's been a really ugly start to the year. You know, categorically, I guess statistically is the word, on paper, the Bengals have the very worst offense in the NFL, which is a horrifying thought when you realize they've got Joe Burrow, who they just paid a ton of money, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, good receivers everywhere. It's it's basically the same offense they've had for years, but they started one and three. They lost to Cleveland 24 to three. They lost to the Ravens 27-24. At least they put up a fight there, but then they lost to Tennessee. Not like a Super Bowl contender. They lost to the Tennessee Titans 27 to three. I mean, it's been the low points in Cincinnati this year have been really, really bad. Now they've won two games in a row. They beat Arizona and Seattle. It does feel like the offense is heating up. Um, and remember Joe Burrow started the year with a calf injury. seems like he's getting healthy as well. I, I have patience for Cincinnati. A lot of people, they started one and three and were like, we got to fire Zach Taylor, our head coach. He's garbage. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This guy got you to a Super Bowl. What other coach in Cincinnati got you to a Super Bowl in recent memory? Uh, shut up. Like, back-to-back -back AFC title game appearances. Cincinnati's okay. They're they're just they're rebounding, really. And they've lost a couple players on defense as the years have gone on. They've had trouble keeping everybody together. Trey Hendrickson, their D-end, is playing really well. Has got seven sacks, tied for third in the NFL. Um, I, I think let's just wait and see how the year goes for Cincinnati before we panic and freak out. They're 3-3 three and three right now. They've won two in a row. They're trending in the right direction. I'm going to look up. Who do the Browns play? Who do the Bengals play next? I want to see. Let me open my computer. 
Bam. Look at the, oh, come on. Why won't it load? There we go. Who do the Bengals play the next couple games against? They play, oh, 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 it's bad. It's bad. Oh, no. Oh, Bengals fans, I am so sorry. They play at the 49ers uh, in their next game on the 29th. <laughs> three and three becomes three and four. Oh, no. Uh, three and, so they'll be three and four probably. Then they play Buffalo. Then they play a really good Houston team that's three and three. Then they'll play Baltimore. Then they play Pittsburgh. Then Jacksonville at Jacksonville. I don't know, man. It's a pretty rough schedule the rest of the year for here. Here are the they play the 49ers, they play Buffalo, Houston, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Indy, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Cleveland. Let's count out the losses. I think they lose to San Francisco. They probably lose to Buffalo. They could lose to Houston. They play Pittsburgh twice. They probably lose one of those games. They play Jacksonville, a playoff team, Kansas City, and Cleveland. That's uh, seven more losses. That would be seven and ten on the year. Now, if they win a couple tough games, maybe they beat Buffalo. Maybe they beat Houston. Maybe they sweep Pittsburgh. Like, there's a shot they go ten and seven. But I, I look at the rest of their schedule after their bye week coming up. That's discouraging. To start off the bye week against the 49ers and then Buffalo back-to-back. Oh! Oh, boy. Never mind. I was saying, let's be patient see how the year goes. Um, I know I'm concerned. I am now concerned. We'll see though. I got an open mind. I, I hope we'll see if the Bengals can, can hang with San Francisco and Buffalo and, um, at Kansas city week 17 in December. That's a tough game. Like, I don't know, man. I really am worried about, they play the, the Browns at the end of the year. Ugh, I don't know. I, I'm, I am now looking at the rest of their schedule, worried for the Bengals, but we'll see how the year goes and have an open mind. Um, now I will say, let's talk about Kansas City next. The Kansas City Chiefs are five and one, but they haven't played much of anybody. Like the only tough game the Chiefs have played this year was against the Detroit Lions, and they lost. They beat the Jaguars, the Bears, the Jets, the Vikings, and the Broncos. Oh, great wins for Kansas City. But what I will say is that despite that um that start to the segment, right? They've played basically nobody. They are a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion. They're five and one. They're first in their division. I I think they've had time to really get together. They just traded for McCole Hardman today, which is really interesting. The defense is wildly underrated, in my opinion, in Kansas City. Like their defense is part of why they're five and one and look really good is because their defense is fantastic. Um, I also would argue that, in my opinion, Patrick Mahomes is having probably his best year. As an NFL quarterback, I know that sounds crazy. Like his numbers, I think Russell Wilson literally has better numbers on paper than Patrick Mahomes, but he's winning with less at receiver than he's ever had in his, in his entire career. Um, he's got, yes, Travis Kelsey. Sure, Travis Kelsey is incredible. But after Travis Kelsey, a tight end, their leading receivers are Rasheed Rice, a rookie out of, I believe, TC, no, out of uh, SMU, Justin Watson, Noah Gray. Sky Moore and Katarius Tony, they're two promising young receivers, only have one touchdown each. Like, it's really thin at receiver, and they're making plays and doing really good and winning and playing at a high level without great receivers. I find that really impressive. And, uh, 
Oh, is Rasheed Rice injured? No, he's not. Okay, I was like, well, I couldn't find him on the roster. Rasheed Rice did go to SMU. There we go. So I think that given, like, I really want to do a film analysis of Patrick Mahomes at some point. Um, maybe that's one, like, when you do a, a full season review, like, film analysis video, maybe Patrick Mahomes doesn't need one, like, at the end of the year in, like, you know, June, July, May, April, like that kind of stuff. Because we know Patrick Mahomes is good. There's no questions about Patrick Mahomes. And I would like to show the plays where Patrick Mahomes just makes something happen. There are plays where the defense does the right thing. The the Chiefs are in the wrong play. They get stopped. It should be a stop for the defense. And then he extends the play, runs around, and makes magic happen and beats the defense anyway, despite them calling a perfect play called a stop what they're doing on offense. Like, Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable. And I, I think that... I should make that video because to me, he's the best quarterback we've ever seen literally ever. It's unbelievable the stuff he could do. And uh, he gets a lot of credit. I think the defense deserves more credit than they're getting in Kansas City. But Patrick Mahomes is having, from what I've seen, the best year I've ever seen him play. Like he's playing football at the highest level a quarterback has ever played on planet Earth. And uh, I think that can't be overlooked. The Raiders are three and three. Here's the story to me about the Raiders. The Raiders are three and three. They're very mediocre. And they made a move to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason. And I, I, you can't justify it to me. I don't understand why you brought in Jimmy Garoppolo, frankly, at all. The Raiders are mediocre. Looks like they're going to have an eight and nine season. And Jimmy Garoppolo is just perpetuating the mediocre, mediocrity of this team. I mean, I don't know. Having an eight and nine season, eight wins, nine losses, how does that make the Raiders better for next year? It doesn't give you a top draft pick to go get a good quarterback. It doesn't give you, uh, it doesn't really help you in any way. I, I just don't know what the Raiders are heading towards. I think really they're playing and the decisions they're making in Las Vegas are so the GM, Dave Ziegler, and the head coach, Josh McDaniels, can keep their job and not get fired. They're playing it safe to not get fired rather than doing what it takes to get ahead as a franchise and win long term. And that's frustrating to me. If I was a Raiders fan, I'd be like, what are we doing? Jimmy Garoppolo, you realize Jimmy Garoppolo has been in the NFL for 10 years and he's only finished one season playing a full season, like 17 games in a year or 16 at the time when it used to be. He's never played a full season other than one time. And that one time he did go to the Super Bowl, but Jimmy Garoppolo already missed week four with an injury. Uh, he left week six at halftime of the low back injury. He like walked off against the Patriots. I'm like, really? Like you're okay. Have you ever seen the video of Brian Brom in the XFL? Like, do I have a pulse? Then I'm playing football, right? Jimmy Garoppolo's like, oh, does anything like kind of hurt a little bit? I'm not going to play. I'm out. I'm going to make a million. So why would I play? I don't want to, you know, you, you hate to criticize a guy who is trying to take care of their body, but I don't know, man. I, I just maintain, I, I don't understand why the Raiders have Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, what are we doing? You got rid of Derek Carr. That was probably the right move given how he's playing in New Orleans, but you replaced him with just a crappier version of more Derek Carr, more mediocre quarterback play. And uh, I, I don't, long-term, I don't know how Jimmy Garoppolo is helping the Raiders get better as, as an organization and head towards winning a Super Bowl. I just don't, I, I think, again, the, the, the decision makers in Vegas are making moves so they can keep their jobs and not get fired. Like, keep everything as it is rather than try to get ahead and win long-term. One thing, the highlight of the year for the Raiders has got to be Max Crosby, their defensive end. He's got five and a half sacks. Um, that's actually kind of low given like I watched him play a couple times and I'm like, dude, he's in the backfield every play. He's actually like, 
I feel like should have more sacks than we saw. Like he had, I think, one against the the Packers, but he he had like one sack, but was in literally disrupting every single play for the Packers offense. And uh, he's he's a he's causing problems. And I really really love Max Crosby. He's incredible. The Chargers are two and three, and once again the Chargers have been really underwhelming. They've got all this talent and a losing record again, again. And I even said it on the show, uh, was it, I guess, yesterday's show. When is Justin Herbert going to start winning? I, at some point, you got to hold his feet to the fire and say, like, you got all this talent around you. You are ridiculously good. I watched him miss multiple throws on Monday Night Football against the Cowboys. Like, he had Keenan Allen wide open for a double move and missed the throw. You're like, hey, hey, buddy, I got, I'm open. Can I get the ball, please? And, and Herbert missed him. Also, there was a really good out route. Should have been a first down. He threw, threw it in the dirt. Like... There's too much talent for the Chargers to be two and three right now. They play at Kansas City week seven on Sunday. That's going to be a good test. I mean, like, if they go to two and four, the year is over in L.A. Like, I'm I'm so tired of the underwhelming disappointment that is Brandon Staley, that is this Chargers football team. I like Brandon Staley as a man. He's created an environment I'd like to work at, but he's not, he doesn't own an HVAC company. Like, right? Like when I worked at HVAC, I had the best boss ever. But you're working in football where results matter. You have to win. I don't care how nice you are. I don't care. Like, I do care. Like, I want you to be a good person, but a nice person still has to win football games. And I just am not seeing that for Brandon Staley. I'm not seeing that from the Chargers or two and three. Every year they've been a disappointment under Herbert, with Herbert at quarterback and with Brandon Staley at head coach. And uh, at some point, winning's got to happen. Herbert's too good to be losing. And so I think if Herbert's, you're not going to get rid of Justin Herbert. Like if you, if you put Justin Herbert on the trade block, there would be probably 31 on how, who wouldn't trade for him? Buffalo probably wouldn't trade for him. The Ravens, Cincinnati, uh, Kansas City. That feels like that's it, though. I mean, like, if you put Justin Herbert on the trade block, I think Philly would trade for him. Like, really? Like, I know that's insane. Maybe maybe that's blasphemous. I don't know. But if you could trade Jalen Hurts for Justin Herbert, would you? Probably. Probably. Right? Like, there's most teams in the NFL would like to have Justin Herbert. So, I don't think you blame Justin Herbert. I think you blame the coaching staff. And I'm hoping that as this year goes to garbage and goes to crap in L.A. with the Chargers, that... Eventually, a move is made that can allow a better coaching staff to take over and not be disappointing and underwhelming as they've been every year under Brandon Staley. I like the idea, by the way, if you fire Brandon Staley, elevate Kellen Moore to head coach temporarily, maybe they do really well. And if he does well, if the audition goes well, you hire him full-time as a head coach in LA with Kellen Moore. I like that idea. The Denver Broncos are one in five. They've lost to their former ball boy, Mike McDaniel. They lost to three of their former head coaches. They lost to a former defensive coordinator of theirs, Jack Del Rio. Like, it's been horrifying. Horrifying in Denver. I will say Russell Wilson hasn't been awful on paper. 12 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's moving around pretty well. Like, when you watch Russell Wilson, he does extend plays pretty well. He's getting out of the pocket. But certainly, this is not the start you hoped for when you brought in Sean Payton as your head coach. It's been really bad. And I I think Russ, while Russell Wilson hasn't been garbage, he's not been worth the money they're spending on him. I saw today, like, people are speculating, hey, maybe the Broncos draft Drake May, third overall in the draft. They've got the third pick right now. Um, 
they've got the worst defense in the NFL, though, which as I as you blame Russell Wilson, certainly you got to acknowledge Russell Wilson hasn't played well enough given the amount of money he's being paid. He's not been a superstar, and he's gotta be, given what he's been offered and what they gave up to get him. But uh that defense has been the number one problem in Denver. They're the worst defense statistically in the NFL, and uh it's hard to win games when you've got an insanely bad defense, uh, no matter who you are. Philadelphia, the Eagles are 5-1, and one, and they're a Super Bowl contender. I mean, it's very clear. The Eagles are really good. They play great defense. Um, one thing, though, we're talking about, the narrative, I think, right now in Philly is this concerning slow start for Jalen Hurts, their quarterback. You gave him a ton of money in the offseason. He's got seven touchdown passes and seven interceptions. He's run for a touchdown. He's got a fumble. So eight touchdowns. And eight turnovers this year for your quarterback, Jalen Hurts. That's not good. You're 5-1, and one, so that's you're winning anyway. And I, I have patience. Like, if you're losing, if you're 3-3 three and three at, as Philly and you've got Jalen Hurts playing the way he is, then you go, ugh. But you're 5-1. and one. You've lost one game. Uh, the one game you lost, Jalen Hurts had three interceptions against the Jets this past weekend. Uh, you know, I, I think you can chalk up if you want. You can rationalize the slow start for Jalen Hurts. As they got a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator, new coordinators have been uh, maybe taking time for things to gel, I guess. I don't know, but um, Philly's 5-1. and one. Jalen Hurts, though, has better has played better football in the past and I think can be better and hopefully will be better as the year goes on. Um, but they're winning anyway, so it's not it's a concern that feels like there's lots of time for them to clean up given how good their team is around Jalen Hurts. The Dallas Cowboys are 4-2. and two. And uh, the Cowboys' season is going exactly as I expected, if I'm totally honest. Uh, they've got this incredible defense, and they've got an offense that has limitations. Um, the big question mark in Dallas going into the year was their quarterback, Dak Prescott, and their head coach, Mike McCarthy. That's still the concern. They lost to Arizona, which was embarrassing, and then they lost to the 49ers, 42-10, to 10, which is really like a measurement benchmark game for the Dallas Cowboys. Like, oh, this is where we're at right now. We're losing to a Super Bowl contender 42 to 10. Okay, now we know where we stand. It was really like putting the Cowboys in their place. And uh, I don't have much more to say. It's an incredible defense that's, I think, going to be held back by their limited offense with Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. And uh, if they don't win a Super Bowl this year, given how good their defense is, given how good some of the players they have are, it's a, it's, a, it's a failure, and I think you got to at some point go, hey, we might have the wrong coaching quarterback and might have to make a change. I don't think they will. My dad said it on the show. The Cowboys are one death away from um, winning a Super Bowl, which is Jerry Jones, their owner. That's harsh, but it's funny and true. And uh, I think as long as Jerry Jones is calling the shots in Dallas, they're always going to have a limitation a bit on offense because of his sentimentality and because of his unwillingness to hire a head coach and get out of the way and let the coach do everything. So, hey, I hear Bill Belichick might be out of a job after this year. I know he's been terrible in New England, but maybe maybe Bill Belichick takes over and is a coach of the uh, <laughs> Cowboys. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Bill Belichick having to deal with Jerry Jones? What a hilarious—he'd rather retire. It's a hilarious thought. All right, guys, I got to take another short break. I got to buy food. I got to pay my rent. got to pay the bills. So I'm going to take a break. When I return, Washington, the Giants— the Lions, the Packers, a lot of good stuff, Ed. My name is Zach. I got to take a short break. I will be right back. The show is brought to you also by Factor Meals. Go to factormeals.com slash SOS50 and use code SOS50 
to get 50% off. That's code SOS50 at factormeals.com slash SOS50 to get 50% off. Dude, it's such a good deal. I think food is, uh, I, w- I would, you know, very carefully say it's a necessity. And food at a low cost, 50% off, it's a big deal. On top of that, what Factor Meals allow you to have is food that's really good, high quality, and quick. You know what I do in the morning? I wake up at 5 in the morning. I shower. I try to get my bathroom routine all done before my roommate gets up to go to her job. So I get up at 5. I shower. And then I make breakfast. And breakfast takes like 45 minutes. It takes a long time for your boy, Zach. I make eggs, some kind of meat, spam. I'll admit hot dogs sometimes, rice, a lot of hot sauce. I love it. I, I love it. Spam, rice, hot dogs, whatever you want to whatever the meat is, and then eggs. That's, that's your boy Zach's meal every morning. And uh, it takes a long time. You know what I would love? Really affordable food that's easy to heat up and doesn't take me 45 minutes to prepare. And it's good. Natural ingredients, good stuff for you. They can match whatever you're looking for to get out of it, whether you want just good food, maybe you want some kind of diet. They can match whatever you're looking for and give you food that meets your needs. But if you want to find cheap food that is affordable and can be prepared quickly, which I know a lot of, look, we're running around. It's fall. It's busy. You're doing whatever you got to do. You're trying to make your family happy, going to Thanksgiving and stuff. You're trying to get ready for Christmas. Uh, Factormeals.com slash SOS50. Factormeals.com slash SOS50 and use code SOS50 to get 50% off. That's code SOS50 at Factormeals.com slash SOS50 to get 50% off, which to me, look, I know some of y'all out there, you use DoorDash. You're ordering food from delivery services. This is so much cheaper. It's faster. It's right there ready for you. And it's high quality food. All you got to do is heat it up. And some of the stuff they got, what do they have? They have bacon and egg breakfast skillet, bacon and cheddar egg bites, potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. I got that wrong. Apple cinnamon pancakes, great breakfast stuff. They're really pushing breakfast this year. Uh broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, asparagus, high-quality ingredients at factormeals.com slash SOS50 for 50% off a Factor meal kit. Highly recommended. Their food is great and easy to prepare and quick. All right, we are back. Let's talk about Washington. The commanders are 3-3 three and three this year. I am optimistic, though, after a 3-3 three and three start. I look at them and go, you know what? Not horrible. They're three and three. Uh, the main focus has been on their quarterback, Sam Howell. He had a bad game, four interceptions, week three against Buffalo. That's not great. But on the year, Sam Howell's got nine touchdowns, six interceptions. He also ran for a touchdown. I think we might be seeing Sam Howell become the long-term quarterback in Washington. Like it's very early. We're six games into the year, but I think it's been promising and giving me hope. I'm like, okay, hey, there's a shot here. I will say Sam Howell is the most sacked quarterback in the entire NFL, which is concerning. He's holding on to the ball a little too long, extending plays. Get, throw the ball away. Don't take a sack. Um, it also speaks to their offensive line is growing, but I think a lot of the sacks I've seen in Washington have been Sam Howell holding on to the ball too long. So Sam Howell, work in progress, but trending in the right direction. Like when you compare Sam Howell to Desmond Ritter in Atlanta, Desmond Ritter I'm highly skeptical of. Sam Howell I look at with optimism and go, you know what? Hey, there's something here. He's playing well, and I think might be their quarterback long term. That's exciting and interesting. Now, the defensive line in Washington, to me, has been underwhelming. They've got all these first-round picks. Let me look it up. I want to find the number. How many st- sacks do they have on the year? Where do they list? Where do they rank as far as st- sacks go? 
I bet they're down at the bottom. They've been really not getting. Okay, no, they're one, two. They are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're eighth in sacks. Could be worse. They got 19 sacks on the year. But when I watch them, they're not winning one-on-one matchups. And I, like against Buffalo, for example. I, let me look. Let me look through their schedule so far. Um, Chicago was frustrating. They weren't getting a lot of pressure on Justin Fields. They weren't containing him very well. The Philly game, the Bills game, those are their three losses on the year. Against those really dynamic quarterbacks, they haven't been winning on the offense, on the defensive line. And to me, that's a problem. Um, they, they spent a lot of capital, drafted a lot of guys in the first round to build their defensive line. And uh, I, I guess really the number, the guy that stands out to me the most is Chase Young. Chase Young has just not been producing at a high enough level, given where he was drafted, number two overall. He's got three sacks on the year. Huh. That's not great. I feel like there's more production to be had from their defensive line. But otherwise, I, I look at Washington and feel pretty optimistic and like what they're doing uh, as an organization. The Giants, the New York Giants, are 1-5. Their year has been a total, complete disaster. The offensive line has been a mess that makes it basically unable for their offense to function. Um, they did beat the Cardinals. They were down 28 to nothing. They came back and won, which is just unbelievable. To come back from down 28 to nothing. No, no, sorry. It was 20 to nothing at halftime, then 28 to 7. But the Giants came back and won that game 31-28. That's pretty crazy. That's the only win of the year, though, for the Giants. So far, it's been awful. Daniel Jones, our quarterback, has been sacked 28 times in five games. He's hurt, missed a game last uh, week against the Buffalo Bills. Um, they had a shot to win the Bills game, I thought, but they basically screwed up on the goal line twice in that game once at the end of the halftime. So once before halftime, once before uh, the end of the game of the fourth quarter. The Giants have really taken a step backward. I thought they were going to be a better team that would, win, that would win fewer games this year. They're not a better team than they were last year. They look worse as a whole. They're also going to lose more games than they did last year. So I think this has been a step backward in totality for the, for the New York Giants. And we've got concerns about, you know, Darren Waller's getting paid a lot of money, not making plays. Daniel Jones, their quarterback, got paid a ton of money this offseason. It looks like he's going to have to be let go as soon as the contract allows them to get out of that contract. So I have major, major concerns about the Giants, and I just hope that I, – I like Brian Dable. I thought, he did a great, I thought he did a great job last year, and I worry that Brian Dable, the head coach in New York, is not going to be able to survive the Daniel Jones contract. He's probably going to fall victim and get fired, which is unfortunate because I think he can do good stuff, and he's certainly – like, I guess you could argue he's not coaching well enough, but there are times where like he calls a good play call – and Daniel Jones simply isn't executing. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you do as a coach there. It's been, it's got to be frustrating. And so, um, yeah, the Giants season as a whole has been a complete disaster. The Detroit Lions are five and one. How about that? The Lions are tied for the best record in all of football, which, man, you know, I look around and like, is the world ending? Is there something I don't know? Like, I, it does feel that way, but certainly one of the one of the signs to me is that the Lions are good. I'm like, whoa. This is crazy. I've never seen the Lions be tied for the best record in football in my entire life. It's been really wild. Um, one story going on, though, I think we're talking about in Detroit. As, as good as their year has been, their first-round pick, running back Jameer Gibbs, uh, it's been a disappointment. They're not using him very much. Um, he's missed two games with a hamstring injury. He's got 39 carries for 179 yards, one touchdown run, 14 catches for 70 yards. Like, they're winning without him, and David Montgomery, their, their running back, has been the feature back and the guy they're just using all the time. 
And the times I've seen Jameer Gibbs try to run inside, he bounces it outside. It feels like he's not disciplined enough to run their offense. Like they want him to run between the tackles sometimes, and he's bouncing it outside and doing undisciplined stuff and not trusting his blocking. There are things that, that are warning signs about Jameer Gibbs. I thought we saw that even week one against Kansas City where you're like, uh, you know, like I get why they're not putting Jameer Gibbs on the field more, but if you can find a way to get that guy the ball in space, they've been running screen games with them. They've been trying to get screen passes, trying to get him the ball, but um, right now they're not using it very much, and it looks like maybe a wasted draft pick where I remember the Saints drafted Reggie Bush uh, second overall, and he was – not a bust, but he never became the star player they were hoping he would. And so I, I think a similar thing might be going on with Jameer Gibbs, but we'll see. It's very early. He is injured. Um, and I, I think that what's really interesting is they're winning in spite of Jameer Gibbs, not being used very much and not having much production. They've got a top 10 defense. The Lions are incredible. And it, it does feel like, hey, the Lions are going to make a playoff game. And... I mean, they got a shot to make a Super Bowl appearance, like straight up. I think the Lions are in that conversation. They're tied for the best record in football. They're in the mix right now. And as you look around the NFC, it's what, Philly, the 49ers, the Lions, the Cowboys. Like, Detroit, Dallas would be an incredible, incredible playoff game. I really believe that. And if you can win a playoff game, get yourself in a position, maybe got home field advantage in the playoffs, I think the Lions potentially could make a Super Bowl run, which is like unprecedented and very cool that that's a reality. They got to stay healthy, um, but they're playing really good football and their rebuild is going phenomenally. The Green Bay Packers are two and three. Uh, They got a young quarterback, Jordan Love, who's got, you know, he had three interceptions on Monday Night Football last week. There have been highs, there have been lows. Jordan Love, I've got no concerns about really. The best of Jordan Love is really good. And the worst of Jordan Love can be written off as a young quarterback learning and growing. And that's fine to be. they got a young receiving core. Christian Watson, their young receiver, has been out, missed a couple games this year. They've got a good defense. For me, the Packers are in a building year. I'm just not concerned about Green Bay. I thought they were going to go 9-8 and eight this year. That prediction still feels right. They're on track. And um, I don't know much more to add. I really think that the Packers are exactly what I thought they would be. They're doing some good stuff. They're losing some games in ways that are you know, reminiscent of a team with a young quarterback is learning. And I just go, yeah, like, what did you expect about from the Packers this year? They look fine. And I, I think they got the right quarterback who long-term is their guy. And uh, as the years go on and he gets better and grows further, I think the Packers are totally fine and in a good position franchise-wise. The Vikings are two and four. Ironically, remember last year, the story was, man, the Vikings are 11 and 0 during the regular season in one-score games. Ironically, all four losses the Vikings have have been by one score or less. And, uh, you know, uh, they've got a linebacker, Daniel Hunter, who's got eight sacks this year. He's tied for first in the NFL, tied with T.J. Watt. Daniel Hunter's a guy they might want to move at the trade deadline. I think you trade with Seattle. You get a first-round pick for that. That would be huge. Um, you know, wide receiver Justin Jefferson's out with an injury. Is a first-round pick for Daniel Hunter too high? Probably. I don't know if they could get that back because he's older. How old is Daniel Hunter? Let's find out. Daniel Hunter, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if they could get that back, but Seattle's a team that feels like they're on the cusp of a playoff appearance who really needs a good pass rusher to make the difference. And if they can bring that in, that'd be huge. Um, Daniel Hunter, let's find out. He is 28. So he's, hey, you know, I think a first round pick for Daniel Hunter, if you can get that with Seattle, you make that trade tomorrow. Um, the Vikings are, I think, a team that's heading towards a rebuild. Feels like the year is over at 2-4. and four. Justin Jefferson's injured. 
It's Kirk Cousins last year of his contract. I think the Vikings got to start making moves and unloading some of their players at the deadline and building for next year. Um, and I think that makes total sense. If you can trade Kirk Cousins and get, I don't know, a second round pick or a, a first or a second and third round pick, if you can trade Daniel Hunter for a first round pick, like you do that, you make those trades and you start thinking about next year if you're Minnesota. No shame in that. I think the coaching staff should be safe. I don't think you fire anybody. I think you chalk it up to like, hey, we had a couple one score losses that have been tough. And it's been an ugly year, kind of some bad luck for us. And we knew that cap-wise, we had to rebuild anyway. So Kevin O'Connell should keep his job. Brian Flores should keep his job. I like everyone there, but let's let's rebuild in Minnesota. That's what I would do right now, six games six games into the year. The Chicago Bears are one in five. Um, and they had the number one pick last year. They're on track to do it again this year. Now, weirdly enough, they've got, right now, they have the number one and number two pick with uh, their own pick, and then also the Carolina Panthers pick. There have been some brief moments this year that I've been excited watching the Chicago Bears. They lost to Denver by three. They had a 28-0 lead. I was like, yes. Like, I, I think that's what – let me look it up. I want to make sure. I believe they led 28-0, and I was like, man, I, I remember watching the game. I don't remember what the score was exactly, but I remember feeling like, wow, we're finally seeing the Bears click. And then in the second half, they allowed Denver to come back, and they lost. And I was like, man, are you kidding me? Uh, and then on top of that, like I, they beat the Washington Commanders forty to twenty, and uh, you know the receiver had um, what's the name? What's why am I blanking on the name? I got to just look up the Bears. Let's look up their roster. Um, the receiver they traded for with Carolina, um, DJ Moore. Thank you for the last name. DJ Moore had three touchdowns against Washington. I was like, man, this is so good. Things were trending up, even though they lost to Denver. They were doing really well, heading in a good direction. Then they beat Washington the week after that. I was like, yes, things are going really well. And then this past week, uh, Justin Fields, their quarterback, dislocated his thumb on a throwing hand, which to me um, really throws a wrench in their year and throws a wrench in their progression. Because even if Justin Fields does come back, uh, which he will eventually, but when he comes back, he's still not going to be at full strength. Like, a lot of people, you need your thumb to throw the football and – some people handle that injury differently than others, um, but I, I can't imagine throwing a football without my, my thumb on my throwing hand. That would be huge. So we'll see how long it takes for that to recover. I, I, I'm just I'm disappointed because I thought they were heading in a good direction until the Justin Fields injury. Then you're like, oh, man, another setback for Chicago. Now, the defense has been horrid in Chicago. Um, the team has a defensive head coach, Matt Eberflus, and – it doesn't show. Like, you're like, hey, I thought you were a defensive guy. If you're going to be a defensive head coach, you have to have a good defense. Like, I don't care. I'm sorry. Like, the way to justify your existence is you got to win with your defense. And if you're not playing good defense, then why do we have you as your our head coach? I don't understand. Um, especially when you got Justin Fields, a young quarterback who really needs probably an offensive mind. I don't know, man. Um, you know, they added two linebackers in free agency. T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. Thank God that's where Chicago spent their money on linebackers. Woo! Yeah, you're one in five. It didn't matter. Frustrating to me. You probably should have got offensive linemen and maybe another receiver or two. Um, I don't know, man. I, I really think that Chicago Bears are poorly run. They've got probably the wrong head coach. They've got a GM who's spending money on linebackers in today's NFL, which, you know, linebackers are probably... That's got to be one of the least valuable positions, man. They're interior defenders who mostly stop the run. Like, what? In 2023, where it's a passing league? Okay. 
it's not those moves haven't helped them win this year, Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. So I don't know, man. I, I really feel down in the dumps about the Bears season, how it's going. Now Justin Fields is injured. I mean, I don't know, man. It's just all bad. Bears are one and five. And if they can get two top five, top five picks, that would be huge. You know, my my roommate's a Bears fan. She said, Hey, um, can we trade those top picks for better coaching? And I laughed my ass off. I was like, that's hilarious, man. Uh, so anyway, the Bears are in bad shape. Tampa is three and two. The Buccaneers lost week five to the Lions 20 to six. And uh, was that week five? I think that was actually week six. I wrote week five in my notes. That was this past weekend. So um, week six coming off the bye week, they lost to Detroit 20 to six. That was disappointing to me because, you know, they're coming off a bye week and they didn't really challenge Detroit at all. Now, they still lead the NFC South, and their quarterback, Baker Mayfield, has been pretty solid. Got seven touchdowns, three interceptions. Five games in for Baker Mayfield to only have three turnovers is pretty huge. And the defense is really good. So there's potential here. I think the Buccaneers could win their division. And Baker's been good enough that I, I could see him being their long-term quarterback. I, he's not amazing, but if you can get a cheaper contract with Baker, that, al- that allows you to build a better team around him and have better teammates. Maybe you pay Mike Evans. Uh-uh. Hello, why aren't you paying him? Um, or why didn't you before the year started? Um, I don't know, man. I think Tampa's in an interesting spot where they're three and two. They're first in their division by a hair, by a technicality, really, because they've played one fewer game than the rest of their division. Uh, you know, like Atlanta's three and three, New Orleans is three and three. But certainly Tampa, they've got a shot to win their division. And um, I think that would be a good story and a good success story for them. I think that's possible. And if they do that, I think you keep the group together and keep trying to build what you got. Atlanta's three and three right now. The number one question in Atlanta is the quarterback Desmond Ritter. This is a capable football team, right? They're they're competitive, they're in games, but it does appear like the more they ask of their young quarterback in a second year Desmond Ritter, who is elevated to starter this year, it feels like the more you ask of Desmond Ritter, the worse he is. He's got six touchdowns, but six interceptions on the year. He had three interceptions this past weekend in a loss. And I, I do kind of wonder, like, I'm, I'm glad they gave Desmond Ritter a shot. It allows you to. If Desmond Ritter has turned out to be really good, I mean, he got 11 games left in the year. There's still time. If Desmond Ritter is good, then you got a really cheap quarterback who allows you to have a really good team you can build around him, which look at the 49ers. The blueprint for the 49ers, if you can copy them, have a quarterback on a cheap rookie contract and make a ton of money and, and build, spend your money on a ton of positions around the quarterback, that's a winning formula. But Desmond Ritter has to be good, and uh, we're seeing he's okay. We're six games in. He got 11 games left. There's still time for him to develop and prove that he's better than he looks right now, but I do wonder, if it's not Kirk Cousins, sorry, if it's not Desmond Ritter, could you bring in Kirk Cousins, guy from, his wife's from Georgia? What would Kirk Cousins do to this Atlanta football team? Is that an upgrade? Is it better to maybe draft someone like Cam Ward? Probably, because you can still get a cheaper contract. I think there's decisions to be made in Atlanta long-term about the quarterback spot that we're still waiting to see how everything plays out with Desmond Ritter before we make a decision and kind of see what the plan is after Ritter, if there is an after Ritter, because maybe Ritter, I don't know, maybe he plays great the final 11 games, but six games in, it looks like Desmond Ritter isn't worth keeping as your starting quarterback after this year. The New Orleans Saints are three and three. Three and three is wildly disappointing for New Orleans. Uh, You brought in Derek Carr. You're hoping that was going to elevate your offense. Uh, Your offense has been, eh, like, what's the highest you've scored this year? Uh, You scored, 
Oh, you beat the Patriots 34 to nothing. Okay, a couple defensive touchdowns. I don't know, man. I You know, Derek Carr has been underwhelming. They have the talent where they should be leading this division easily in the NFC South. But they lost. The, the, the loss that was the worst one for New Orleans so far this year was losing to Tampa 26 to 9. You're like, oh, boy. Um, I, I thought the Saints were going to be in a position where they would easily win this division. And I think on paper they should be. And Derek Carr has time, you know, he's learning a new offense, but so is C.J. Stroud, and they lost to Houston this past weekend 20-13. to Like, Derek Carr got outshined by a rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud. How does that feel? That's not good. I think week six, in fact, losing to Houston was kind of a new low for them. Because, you know, if you beat Houston and Tampa, you're 5-1. and 5-1 and one instead of 3-3. Three and three. Even if you beat Houston... This past weekend, and you, you have a quarterback who can outplay a rookie quarterback. If Derek Carr doesn't get outdueled by C.J. Stroud, you're 4-2 and two instead of 3-3, three and three, and you've got a comfortable lead in your division. You know what I mean? It's really frustrating to me. Like, the Saints are just underachieving, and uh, it's not good. The Carolina Panthers are 0-6. It's been a disaster of a year so far for them. I am trying to be patient trying to let things work out, but it's been taking too long, right? The last two games, they've lost to Detroit 42-24, to and they lost to Miami 42-21. to It's been ugly. And uh, their number one overall pick, quarterback Bryce Young, I like him. I'm rooting for him. He hasn't really had a good game yet, though. I've been waiting and waiting, and C.J. Stroud's playing amazing, has nine touchdowns and one interceptions in Houston. Bryce Young hasn't popped, man. He's just not... Not looking good. And I am concerned they've got the wrong coach, Frank Reich. I had hope. They brought in Frank Reich. And I think you could, if you wanted to blame what happened in Indianapolis uh, on Frank Reich, fair enough. But I thought, you know, they had a lot of turmoil at quarterback. They got a crazy owner. Maybe Frank Reich wasn't the problem in Indy. You get him in Carolina. He's a former quarterback. He's working with Bryce Young, this young quarterback. Frank Reich's going to be awesome. I believe in that. It's not been good, man. And I, I recognize the Jaguars went 3-14 and 14 in year one with Trevor Lawrence. So maybe, hey, the Carolina Panthers are going to be horrible and be better next year. But also, the Jaguars were coached by Urban Meyer. They had to fire their coach at the end of the year to get a better one to help their, their team win and help their young quarterback do better. So I, I'm really worried about the, court, the head coach situation with Frank Reich. It's also worth noting... The Carolina Panthers do not have a first-round pick next year in 2024. They traded it to Chicago to go get Bryce Young and move up in the draft. So right now, if, you know, the Bears, the, the, the Carolina Panthers have earned the number one pick in the NFL draft, but it would go to Chicago because they don't have it. I mean, that's, that's all bad. And so I am very concerned and really uh, frustrated with the Carolina Panthers and how bad they've been so far this year. The 49ers are 5-1. and one. Um, To me, they're the Super Bowl favorite. Not a Super Bowl favorite. The Super Bowl favorite. Uh, Detroit, Philly, Buffalo, Kansas City, uh, Miami. Everyone's got to beat them, in my opinion. I think an incredible Super Bowl would actually be the 49ers against Miami. I want to watch that. That would be so much fun. Get to watch Mike McDaniel against Kyle Shanahan, two guys who coach together in San Francisco. That would be incredible. I would love to see that. That defense with Vic Fangio against the 49ers offense would be really fun. Um, you know, they've got a couple injuries right now in San Francisco. Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey are 
injured short-term. They're going to miss a game, if a game at all. Uh, so at most, they'll miss one game. This is a really complete football team, man. They're loaded everywhere. Um, Steve Wilkes, our defensive coordinator, has been awesome. Brock Purdy's been playing great. He had kind of an, an average game. They lost this past weekend uh, to the Cleveland Browns, but the Browns are the best defense in football, so it's okay. Uh, to me, I'm like, eh, yeah, don't overreact. 49ers are 5-1. and one. They're the team to beat in the NFL. I mean, they're the best team I've, I've seen all year, and uh, I stand by that. The Seattle Seahawks are 3-2. and two. It's a fun team in Seattle, man. I really like what they got going on. I love Pete Carroll. He is, man, I don't know how long he's going to coach, but he is ageless, man. He doesn't look a day over 50, and he's he's so he's, he's the oldest coach in the NFL, and he's just playing. He's running around and having fun and looks like himself, and it's awesome. He's coaching at a high level. His team is playing great. Seattle's had struggles on the offensive line, though. They've had injuries. They've had guys not playing great. At one point, they had uh, you know four of their five starting offensive linemen injured and had to play a ton of backups. I mean, that's insane. Um, I would love to see Seattle trade for a pass rusher at the trade deadline. Maybe trade for Daniil Hunter. I would give up a first-round pick to go get Daniil Hunter. I think that's worth it. You're gonna Seattle's a good enough team. They're gonna have a later first-round pick anyway. Like Daniil Hunter's worth it. What you can get instead of drafting a player. Imagine you're drafting Daniil Hunter, a 28-year-old incredible pass rusher who's tied for first in sacks right now in the NFL. You make that move if you can. Yannick Ngakwe is interesting. Another guy I'd give up a first-round pick for is Brian Burns in Carolina. So I want to see Seattle make a move at the trade deadline. There are pass rushers available out there. You know, Randy Gregory got traded for by the 49ers, so he's off the board. But Daniil Hunter, Yannick Ngakwe, Brian Burns, there are guys you can go get to make your pass rush even better, and that's possible. That's kind of the only weakness I really see on this football team outside of the struggles in the offensive line. Um, they have three good receivers, I thought, going into the year. At least I was hoping they would. They've had to use a lot of two wide receiver sets, though, with only Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf because they used to usually have to have a tight end stay in to block and help the offensive line, which means that first-round pick rookie receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba hasn't been on the field very much, and when he's been on the field, hasn't done very much. He's got only 16 catches for 110 yards. Doesn't really have a big play yet so far. Uh, I would say that's maybe the most disappointing thing about Seattle is that their offensive line problems have been keeping Jackson Smith and Jigba off the field. And even when he's on the field, he's not been great. Otherwise, though, like what's the longest catch for Jackson Smith and Jigba? His longest catch is for 18 yards. Like I thought he was going to be, be a big playmaker. That's a problem to me. But otherwise, Seattle, they're fun. They're heading in a good direction. Um I want to see them trade for a pass rusher at the trade deadline. Daniil Hunter, first-round pick, go get him. Brian Burns, give up a first-round pick to go get him. Yannick Ngakwe is available. I think I would give up like a third-round pick to go get Yannick Ngakwe, but I think a really good pass rusher is a difference between Seattle making and missing the playoffs this year or even making maybe having a playoff victory or not this year. So Daniil Hunter would be a huge addition to Seattle. Brian Burns would be a huge addition to Seattle. Dude, maybe you trade for both. Trade the farm. Go get two great pass rushers. That's all Seattle's missing, man. I would give up. If I could make this trade, here's what I would, if I could, this is what I would do. I would trade all three of my first round picks, my, my first three picks for next year. I would give up my second and third round pick to go get Brian Burns. I would give up a first round pick to get Daniel Hunter and build an incredible defensive line. I would do that without even thinking about it. I know there's ramifications, but you're not going to get either one of those players in the first three picks of next year's draft anyway, not someone that quality. You need pass pressures in Seattle. Trade a first round pick for Daniel Hunter, a second and third round pick for Brian Burns. Make that happen. 
that would be incredible to me. Or maybe you flip it. Maybe a second and third round pick for Daniel Hunter and a first round pick for Brian Burns. I don't care how you do it. Go get not one of them. Get both of them. Seriously, like, what what better player are you going to draft in the second round next year than Brian Burns? Same with the third round. Same with the first round. You're going to have a late mid-first round pick. Like, you're not going to get anybody better than either of those two players. I think you give up your draft picks to go get two great pass rushers in Seattle. That would be unbelievable. You know how much better Seattle would be long-term with those two guys? How old's Brian Burns? Let's find out. Brian Burns is, let's look on, oh, I can't even find it. Carolina's roster, Brian Burns' age. Brian Burns is... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 25 years old. Are you kidding me? Seattle, I'm begging you. Trade for Brian Burns and double down trade for Daniel Hunter. If you have an incredible defensive line, you're going to be such a good football team. And uh, I think that's the number one. I know they had 11 sacks against the Giants. I don't count that for very much. I mean, like, yeah, okay. The Giants are awful. Also, one of those 11 sacks was them literally tackling a receiver running a fly motion in the backfield. That counted as a sack because he picked up the ball to look like he was going to throw a double pass. Like, you know what I mean? I just, ugh. Please, Seattle, trade for a pass rusher. I'm begging you. The LA Rams are 3-3. Three and three. Uh, The Rams are awesome, man. They're, you know, even their losses have been competitive and interesting. This team is fun. They're young. They're talented. They're competitive. I think Matthew Stafford has shown he's got a lot of good football left in his career. He's got a, more interceptions than I would like. Um, but that's Matthew Stafford, right? You get a lot of good Matthew Stafford, and then you get him throwing a sidearm ball across the field uh, for an interception. You're like, well, that's that's what that's the trade-off you get with Matthew Stafford. You get a lot of good. He's Brett Favre. You also get a lot of bad. Cooper Cup is back healthy. Uh, Kyron Williams, who I believe is injured right now, but Kyron Williams has been a, a really surprising, awesome running back for them. Puka Nakua is a stud rookie receiver. It's looking like you're going to keep everybody at the trade deadline. You don't trade Matthew Stafford. You don't trade Aaron Donald. You don't trade Cooper Cup. You got a three and three football team that's got potential. And I think you just keep building and growing. And um, I like what the Rams are doing, man. They're better than I thought. And uh, tip of the cap to the LA Rams. The Arizona Cardinals are one and five. And it, when I, when I said they're one and five, I felt like they were better than one and five. Like I feel like they've been a better team than their record would show. But the reality is, the last three weeks, uh, Arizona's been outscored 95 to 45. So they're not close to winning recently. And I love Josh Dobbs. He's a cool story. He's my favorite Gardner Minshew type quarterback. Where like he's not quite a starter, but he's not quite a backup. He's kind of right on the cusp. And he's a guy who can come in and play good here and there. And he played really good in the uh, Dallas Cowboys game. Um, the reality is we saw Kyler Murray return to practice today and they could use him. I think that... Arizona with a better quarterback uh, and scoring more points is probably uh, the right thing, obviously. And uh, I think Kyler Murray healthy is going to be exactly what they need. I'm not sure how long it's going to take for Kyler Murray. He's returned to practice. I'm not sure how long until he's going to be playing in games again. But um, I will say, you know, given the bad roster they've got in Arizona, 
Jonathan Gannon has been better than I expected he would be. And I think that's the best thing I could say about the Arizona Cardinals. Jonathan Gannon's been awesome. I really like him. Um, I hated on him a bit early in the year, made fun of him, had fun with that. But uh, I know they're one in five. I, it does, I'm shocked by that. Like, I really feel like they've been better than that. But the reality is, again, recently they've been outscored and unable to score enough points to keep up with opposing teams. So looks like, hey, it's time to bring back Kyler and we'll see what he can do when he comes back. All right, let's talk about the AFC South to end today's show. It's kind of a meme. I always put the AFC South at the end of everything. And uh, I was going to, because Thursday Night Football this week is um, the Saints against the Jaguars, I was going to put both the NFC and AFC South at the end. But then I was putting together my notes that I forgot to put the NFC South at the end. I just put the AFC South at the end. So everyone's always mad. Like, why do you put the AFC South at the end? Ah, it's perpetuated. It's funny. kind of. It's almost like a meme at this point. The Jacksonville Jaguars are 4-2. and two. I would be shocked if the Jaguars did not win their division. Linebacker Josh Allen is tied for third in the NFL with seven sacks. Um, I think that the Jaguars look good. They've got a good coach. They've got a good quarterback. Things are heading in the right direction after kind of a, not a, the best start possible. Um, you know, they started one and two. They lost to Kansas City. They lost to Houston 37-17. to That was pretty bad. Um, but I think all, all things considered, the Jaguars should win their division, be a playoff team, and that's what I expect from them, and they're on, they're on track for that. One thing that's been disappointing, though, about Jacksonville is uh, Trevon Walker, their former number one overall pick in 2022. He's got two and a half sacks in six games this year. I, I, he's second in sacks on their team. Josh Allen leads the team with seven. I understand that, but I, I, just, I was hoping Trevon Walker would be making a bigger impact so far in his career, and he just hasn't been. And I worry that was a missed draft pick that where they might have drafted the wrong guy in Jacksonville with uh, Trevon Walker. Uh, now, the Colts are 3-3. Three and three. We learned today that officially Colts quarterback Anthony Richardson is out for the year. He's having shoulder surgery. So that's really disappointing. He played well. We'll do a film analysis about him next week. Um, unless Gardner Minshew can come out and shock the world, the season is over in Indy. Um but I will say, I'm excited. I have something to root for in Indianapolis. I get to watch Gardner Minshew, a player I love who is like, he's my spirit animal, man. I love him. He lives in a van, drives around the country. Like, I love him so much. Gardner Minshew, um, whether he does good or bad, I'm going to be watching and rooting for him this year. I really like him. I'm going to cover him. That'll be fun. Uh, it's given something fun to pay attention to this year was Gardner Minshew. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to make a silver lining out of this unfortunate injury for Anthony Richardson. Like, I guess at least if they're going to turn to a backup quarterback, it might as well be someone fun and exciting and interesting like Gardner Minshew rather than, I don't know, Blaine Gabbert or uh, P.J. Walker. Like, so, you know what I mean? Like, at least Gardner Minshew has got a fun personality and is a guy that seems like he's an awesome person who he's easy to root for, but I feel bad for Colts fans. The Houston Texans are 3-3, three and three, and I want to give a massive tip of the cap. I had them going 2-15 and 15 this year. Right, they've already won more games than I predicted they would during the preseason. That's awesome. It looks like they found the right coach in D'Amico Ryan's. I believed in him all the whole time. I was like, he's going to be the right coach to lead them to being a competitive and interesting team. It's just happened way faster than I thought. I can't believe that. Um, they've had a couple great wins early on this year. They beat Pittsburgh thirty to six. They beat the Jaguars thirty-seven to seventeen. The Texans have been. Houston's been awesome. Now, what's been a shock to me is how quickly their rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, has put things together. 
he's looked really good. He's fourth in yards in the entire NFL with 1,660 yards passing. C.J. Stroud has nine touchdowns and one interception on the year. That's crazy. One turnover in your first six games in the NFL is unbelievable. He's three and three. Like, he looks like the best rookie quarterback already. And you're like, uh, whoa, whoa. Houston got the right one. I, I thought it was maybe going to be Anthony Richardson. I liked Bryce Young. In fact, I thought the guy who was going to struggle the most early on was C.J. Stroud. I could not have been more wrong. C.J. Stroud looks incredible. And, uh, man, what a, what a great job they're doing coaching. They're doing a great job working with him. And his processing level is incredible. He's just awesome, man. I love C.J. Stroud. Finally, the last team to talk about today, the Tennessee Titans are 2-4. and four. And they got the right coach, Mike Vrabel, I think. I really like him. He puts together a good defense every year. They play hard for him. Um, but the way the team is built is really the problem. This offense is awful to watch. Um, you know, like, quarterback is a problem. Their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, do you realize Ryan Tannehill's got two touchdowns and six interceptions on the year? All bad. It's terrifying. They need to rebuild in Tennessee, in my opinion. Like, I'm not sure. You could maybe sign Kirk Cousins this offseason, but that's not going to solve everything you got going wrong in Tennessee. They need a full rebuild. They need to... They need a lot of stuff to happen, honestly, in Tennessee. Um, their offensive line is a mess. Quarterback is, oh my God, so bad. So, uh, I don't know. Tennessee, they're 2-4. and four. The year is over. Maybe you need a new general manager. Um, and uh, I think Mike Vrabel is awesome. The problem is, if you bring in a rookie quarterback, is Mike Vrabel the right coach to work with a rookie quarterback? I don't think so. Right? Like, I love Mike Vrabel. And I think Tennessee likes Mike Vrabel. No disrespect for him. But... Um, given his track record with quarterbacks and hiring offensive coordinators, if you do draft a quarterback in Tennessee, you also need to get a new head coach. Mike Vrabel is not the guy I want working with Cameron Ward or Michael Penix Jr. or Bo Nix or whoever else, Drake May, whoever ends up being the quarterback next year in Tennessee. If it's not a veteran quarterback, you need to bring in a new head coach, in my opinion. Even though I love, love, love Mike Vrabel. I respect him a ton. He's a really great coach, and he's going to land on his feet if he wants. He can have a job tomorrow as a defensive coordinator. Maybe Mike Vrabel's the next Patriots head coach. Huh. I never thought about that till just now. But either way, Tennessee, they're two and four, and uh I think the year is lost for them. All right, guys. Um, that's the show. Wow. How long was that? I have no idea. I don't even want to look. It's, it's been very long, I'm sure. It's, I feel like I went way longer than a minute on each NFL team, but I love you. I appreciate you. I gotta I got a lot of work to do today. So I gotta I gotta start editing this, get it out. I love you, I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day and uh We'll talk later. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.